You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today I have a phenomenal guest coming to the show, James Fair. So he has over 35 years of experience in IT, 30 plus years in leadership, and you know how we love leadership here, being entrepreneurs ourselves, and a lot of years, dozens, dozens of years in interpersonal workspace. And so James has taken the liberty of combining his love for IT and cybersecurity and his passion for leadership to create something amazing. And I'm excited to dive into his journey with you and talk about his morning routine. So without further ado, the minute the hour. James, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Lunit. I really appreciate the invitation and I'm excited to be here. This sounds like a lot of fun. Delighted. I mean, I'm reading a bio and I'm like, 30 years of this, 30 years of that. You don't look a day past 30. So how do you <laughs> have you done this? <laughs> Um, I have a great morning routine, actually, <laughs> I, I believe. So that helps for sure. Um, I've been kind of health focused my whole life. Absolutely. I believe that, you know, it's all about taking care of our bodies. Health and nutrition is is up there. So for me, I have a smoothie every morning. It's mm-hmm. uh, loaded with like dozens of different fruits and vegetables. And that's how I get my day started. And I also do meditation on a regular basis Yeah. Um, every every morning. So those two, I think, absolutely will help you stay younger. Uh-huh. So the name of the game is longevity, right? So we think about this body. It's a vessel that we have and we have to take care of it so that it can help our being, the, the soul that we are to kind of go through life and um, living the, the purpose that we we are out here to live. But before we get into any deeper than that, James, I want to talk about your journey. How did you get started at IT and then being able to combine the two with leadership because you find that, you know, people in, in IT, they are so technical and don't apply that other aspect of that realm um, so often. So tell us about your journey here so far, how you got started. Yeah, I'll, I'll back up even a little bit more. So my journey started when I was in my early 20s. Um, I had dropped out of college. I was having trouble finding any kind of job. I was doing manual labor. No offense to anyone who does that, if that's your thing, but it wasn't mine. I was unskilled. I couldn't find a job. And I was slowly running out of money. And it reached a point where uh, I opened the cupboard one day and all I had to eat was a leftover jar of peanut butter. That was the deciding factor for me. It's like, okay, it's time to do something different with my life. This is, I remember just this kind of this frustration and anger just rose up in me. And I'm like, this is not how I'm meant to live. This is not how I'm going to go down. And from that point forward, I decided I'm going to change my life. And I went back to school. Um, I worked, I got a degree in communications and electronics, and then I got into IT. Uh, it was something I'd done even as a child. I loved IT. And so I went down the IT path and I eventually got a job at a quote provider. So they do commodity stock quotes, that kind of a thing. That was my first job. Then I went to work for a film company. And there, I mean, not to bag up my previous employer, but the boss there, he was like I got to learn how not to lead people. I, I learned <laughs> yeah. this great lesson how not to lead people. Yeah. He was dictatorial. He was just over the top. We weren't allowed to do anything on our own. I remember I walked into the server room. Yeah, the whole company was down. And mm-hmm. I walked into the server room 
there's this big switch panel. I know normally the lights are blinking like crazy and they were all solid. And I'm thinking, well, I found the problem. I looked at my buddy and he's like, I'm not touching it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I unplugged it, plugged it back in. Sure enough, the whole company came back up. Anyway, so he was not very nice to his bosses either. So he went to the CIO at the time and said, and this is right before Christmas time, and said, give me a raise or I'm going to walk. And they're like, uh, you know, we're not really, really ready to give you a raise. He goes, that's it. I'm taking two weeks off. And when I come back in two weeks, you better give me my raise. I'll show oh. you how I am. Yeah. So he left for two weeks. And for two weeks, my partner and I working for him, we went crazy and fixed everything we could. We worked like six, seven hour or seven day weeks. We worked like 14 hours a day. My partner at the time thought I was cheating on her because I was gone so much. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't just to be clear, I was working, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And we worked and worked and worked and got everything working to where he came back and those two weeks later and said, okay, are you ready to give me my raise now? And they said, no, in fact, you can just stay gone. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> uh, I saw the writing on the wall. I knew it was coming. So I just made sure I was on top of everything. And sure enough, three months later, they came to me and they said, we'd like you to run the department. Nice. So that was my intro to leadership. And it was just kind of, yeah, just thrust on me. And it is not easy to go from tech to leadership, but mm-hmm. I focused on what was important to the people I was serving. I made it about servant leadership, number one. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, how can I be the best boss possible for them? How can I make their lives easier? How can I make their jobs easier? And how can I be a better leader? You know, that was my incentive to be a better leader was not for me, but for them to serve those people. And that really drove my my desire to learn and grow and explore and try all the things I'd read about as a kid that great leaders did and apply those things. And yeah, that's how I got started in leadership. Yeah. And it wasn't just thrust upon you because you you worked diligently with um, your part, your coworker at the time. To do it, you you took action, right? You rolled up your sleeve and says, this is how it's done. And a lot of time as a leader, that's what we have to um, showcase. We yeah. have to be first do it, roll up our sleeves. We first have to, to be able to know how to do it and then show that initiative to getting it done. And then your boss at the time, higher up at the time, saw that leadership in you and put you in, in that space. And you said something um, quite profound is like the different styles of leadership right that are out there you mentioned one the one that you actually embody is the servant leadership and there are different ones there's transactional leaderships right that you know you do this you get rewarded and a lot of um, corporate america can kind of lean towards that you know it's 80 percent to 90 percent of the time what are the difference in terms of effectiveness uh to me i think it's all about so I'll, i'll tell you a story that exemplified it for me I, we had a graveyard person working and they had hired a new CIO and was very micromanager taught and wanted hands in everything. And so there was this task that needed to be done by the graveyard person. And this micromanagement style of, of leadership, the person reached out and said, okay, at 1250, run this at 8, 130, you do this at 230, run this, et cetera. Gave them, you know, the whole rundown. And when I came in the morning, this graveyard person showed me this employee showed me both email messages because I did not know that the leader had been sending a message and they did not know that I'd been sending one. Mm-hmm. Well, my email to, the, to him said, look, you know this job better than anybody else. Here's what I need done. And here's why. Please take care of it. And that was all I did. I didn't need to give him the details. He knew all those details. He knew how to do it better than I did. It was his shift for heaven's mm-hmm. sakes. So that difference, you know, we're empowering someone 
to think for themselves, to make the right decisions, and to do things we're probably not going to be aware of. We can't know all the nuances of every person's job. Let's let them do what they do best and empower those people to do it. And that is sound advice to every entrepreneur, uh, <laughs> because we get to where we get so consumed with the working in the business versus on the business. And so we have to wear all these different hats and hiring help is not ideal so early on. But when we do find a good, um, good person, know how to delegate is, is what I'm hearing and let us give some autonomy in the process. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you can create a lot of trust when you give someone a task that maybe is a little outside their comfort zone. I'll share another quick story with you, if I may. There was mm-hmm. a, a employee here at Executive where I'm working now, and we had a client who was just, no, everybody I sent over there, the client was never satisfied. Just always like, hey, this still isn't working. This still isn't working. This still isn't working. I'd send a couple different people, same results. I saw this new person start, and everywhere that he went, um, the problems were taken care of 100%. So I went to him and I said, look, I know you're brand new, but I want to send you with this client and I want you to go there and take care of everything that needs to be done. Whatever it is, take care of all of their needs. Because I think you can, I think this is something that you can take care of for me, even mm-hmm. though other people have not. And sure enough, later the client called me up and just totally overjoyed, said everything's been fantastic. Everything's taken care of. Thank you so much. A couple of weeks later, I got an email from that employee and that person said, you know what? I didn't believe in myself at that time. And you pushed me to do something that was way outside of my comfort zone. But your belief that I could do it allowed me to do it. It allowed me to give me permission to step up and be that person that you believed I could be. That's awesome. Yeah. Empowering individual. Have you ever had that scenario reversed where you lose somebody else's confidence in you until you build your own? Because that, that's a thing, right? You, we have mentors for that reason. We have advisors for that reason. Because we need somebody who believe in us so much, who see what we can't see sometimes, our potential. Believe in us so much that um, when we don't have it, we just kind of tail- monkey bar or tailgate on their confidence in us to be able to push forward until we get to that space of like, okay, I got this. I can do this. I am the true leader that I've always wanted to be. Yeah, I've had to, um, here at Executech, when I first started, the founder of the company, he led people the way I believe people should be led. And I was able to, to learn from his examples on just kind of those things I mentioned. And, and he really embodied that even to a greater degree than, than I had learned. So I was able to learn how to be, how to ratchet that up even more from him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful when that happens, because especially in that space that you are with IT and, and cybersecurity, a lot of the techs that you get or engineers that you get, they tend to be more on a shy, introverted, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, it's a tech field, right? So, you know, it's definitely dominated by introverted people. And mm-hmm. in most workspaces, particularly in tech, you know, we have this habit uh, here in America, at least, of promoting those people who do really well. Like, hey, you've done really great. I'm going to promote you to team lead. I'm going to promote yeah. you to supervisor. I'm going to promote you to manager. And those were skills that they did not start with. They were great at tech, which is what made them great. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful that we aren't putting someone in a position to fail. The, the Peter principle, right, as it's referred to, we just keep promoting someone until they're no longer being successful. We need to give people a way to go back, I think, is, is a really big key. It's like, hey, I want to promote you to this position. You seem eager for it. I know you want it. But let's put a path to go back in case this isn't what you wanted after Mm, all. There's definitely plenty of times when that's happened, especially in tech. Yeah. And then that's one of the strategies that you put in place. How does that differ from competitors, right? So executive tech approach, how is it different from others? 
what makes you one unique. of the things yeah at least here in the utah region one of the things that we started doing was assigning a single or a couple of technicians about a person to an organization so rather than the organization calling up a number and getting some random person on the phone that they don't really know they form relationships with people. So if, if, for example, me, I took over a construction company down here at a suburb of Salt Lake City. And every time I went there, they all knew me. I knew all of them. I became mm -hmm. part of their company directory. Uh, we get invited to Christmas parties because we yeah. become part of their team. And when they call up, you know, it's Joe or Dr. Lenid, and we know her already and she knows us. And when she says, hey, I'm having that problem again, we immediately know what it is. We don't have to go research or try to figure it mm -hmm. out or relearn the process. So a big differentiator we do is assign people that they can get to know and trust and kind of have a tech in their back pocket. That's a big deal to a lot of organizations to have that ability to have a, an IT person they can call on when needed. Yeah, that's great because then you provide, they're outsourcing this service, but they don't want it to become cumbersome either in any way. You don't want to call and get a machine or get somebody you have to explain. We explain every time you get on the call. It just defeats right. the purpose of being efficient yes. and, and maximizing <laughs> your your efforts. So um, I know you have some great employees, the people that work with you and love what you um, love working with you and being part of your team. So how do you help that happen, that buy-in? You know, how do you adhere to a company's values? How do you get them to kind of stay yeah. true to you? That's a great question. Thank you. So definitely what I mentioned earlier about creating that trust in people and them in you, right? So it happened to uh, not long ago, actually, to a new person. They called me up in a bit of a panic. They had the idea was to, to copy from one computer to another, and they'd done it backwards. They'd taken the blank computer and copied it over the existing computer, completely wiping out what was there. And they were like, oh, and just panic mode, you know, am I going to get fired? What do I do? And in those situations, not necessarily tech, but any situation like that, or someone has fallen on their face, you know, if you are, rather than scolding them or belittling them, if you're like, hey, I got your back, we all make mistakes. I got your mm. back. We'll figure this out. Or I've been there. I remember doing that myself. I only did it once, but I did that myself too. We're going to take care of this together. We'll figure it out. That is a game changer. That's a, a huge loyalty creator, right? And yeah. Especially in those times of stress and duress, if someone knows that someone's got their back, they are going to stick around even when things get tough because someone's got their back. So creating this mentality that we're all here for each other and that we've all got each other's back, regardless of what station you hold in the company, we're going to be here for each other. is a really big win and a really big reason why people stick around here. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. So that would be, that's the similar advice you would give anybody with their startups, right? Their entrepreneurial journey is make sure, ensure you have trust and have your employees back and so that you can get buy-in into the vision because motivation alone is not going to last, right? So you need to kind of have those values instill, instill to um, move the vision forward. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, a vision's great, but not everyone's going to see the same vision that you do. You know, mm -hmm. we may be given an, a dream or a vision of something fantastic. And, and if we can convey it, a lot of times we can get people on board and, and moving. But, you know, having the trust and loyalty of someone that goes along and it works both directions, because then yeah. when you may mis make a mistake, particularly if you're vulnerable and open up about it, like, hey, I messed up and here's where I messed up. People go, oh, wow, you're, you're human. You're not just some, <laughs> somebody on a pedestal, right? Now I yeah. can relate to you and I can trust you because I know you're going to come to me when, think, when you also mess up. 
Yeah, that's well said. Let's talk about some disciplines, some habits, aside from values, right? Some of your habits that you've had to put in place so that you can show up for your employees and actually show up for the clients that you serve. So how do you get up, dress up and show up? You mentioned meditation earlier. So let's dive in deeper into that. Yeah. You know, I particularly for entrepreneurs, I'm going to segue just for a moment. Health is everything. And maybe early on, we're busy burning ourselves out and working yeah. around the clock and trying to get our business started and pushed into reality. But in the long run, if you aren't taking care of your body, you know, you get to near the end or later on, or when you're retired or when you finally sell that company, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how successful, how much money you have. If you don't have your health, you can't go and enjoy those things that you work so hard to do. So yeah. please, please, please make sure your health is and mental health, not just physical health is taken as a huge, as a high priority. So yeah, I, I'm a 5am guy. I get up every morning at 5am. Uh, I'll spend an hour probably meditating on my own. Uh, I drink 60 ounces of water when I get up, take the dog out, and then I come and do an hour of meditation. Then I'll drink uh, probably my, I'll make my smoothie or I've got some leftover in the fridge. I'll drink 16 ounces of my, that smoothie, fruits and vegetables, right? That's, mm-hmm. what, we, that's what makes the body tick, that yeah. makes the brain work. And so I have that every morning. Then I'll join, I'm actually part of a Zen group here in Salt Lake City, and I'll join the group uh, online over Zoom for about a half hour. Then I jump into my workday. And for me, I really believe it's about how you show up, whether mm-hmm. it's your first call, your first call with your team, your first call with your client, you know, you are setting the tone for that day for those folks. And they're right. going to have their own, you know, feelings about how things went, but good day or bad day, if you can walk in with energy and passion every time, they're going to feel that and it's going to uplift them regardless of what, where, where they are, what state they're in. And if they're mm-hmm. in a good state, it's going to lift them even higher, right? And same yeah. with your clients. Clients want to engage with someone who's engaging or wants to be fun to talk to. So what are you bringing to the table? What are you coming to every morning? If you're stressed and harried, you didn't sleep well because you've been thinking about all your to-do lists, you're not going to be you know, the best person you can be. I really believe that taking the time for some, some time out, some, you know, some mm-hmm. mental breaks for yourself pays for itself in the long run. Even if you miss a half an hour or even just take 10 minutes a day. Right. You don't have 10 minutes a day. As Tony Robbins says, you don't have a life. Mm-hmm. But take 10 minutes a day and just go into a meditative state or some peace. Just get away from the noise for a little while. And when you show up, you will more than make up for that 10 minutes and your efficiency, your improved efficiency for sure. In productivity, I agree. You make up for it. I feel like when the morning routine is not executed, you lag, you, you drag your feet, you go lethargic. It just takes a lot more energy to do things that you would have like got on like a spring chicken, right? It would have been a lot faster <laughs> to get things done. So I agree. You do it so that you can get more time. You work out and stretch so you can have more energy, stay limber, right? So the body can, you can be agile and be able to move quite easily. That So the, yeah, I like that you're taking care of not just the physical being, but the mental aspect, you know, that, that group, the Zen group that you're part of, you know, meditation. It really isn't just about grooming physically, but like, how do you, what are you feeding the mind? What are you, how are you stimulating your, your mental, your psyche, um, yeah. so that you can better be present and show up for the people that you serve? And family too, right? And, you know, yeah. which is a better person in their, in their family environment? The person who's been working 14 hours and is stressed and hairy and didn't sleep well the night before, or someone who took the time, time out and is now coming to their family? It's yeah. a huge difference. It's a game it changer. It does. It's a game changer and it it's like a reset, right? You think of the morning routine because we get decision fatigue throughout the day. We have meetings and people just 
you know, eating away at our agenda because we need to show up for them, right? That's how we run businesses. But at the end of the day, you're just so depleted. And then the new day arises, it's a reset button. The morning routine is always a reset button so that you can attempt to show up better, but you're, you're taking care of yourself so you can do that effectively. I don't know, yesterday I was just thinking, you know, we sleep quite a bit, you know, this body, this vessel that we're talking about longevity earlier needs a lot of sleep to repair itself, to recharge, even whether you work out or not, to the cells rejuvenate in your body every every 11 months, you get a whole new body, a whole, your whole new being every 11 months. And we sleep quite often, eight plus hours a day. And it's like, if we don't do that, we, we will fall apart. The physical being will fall apart. And a lot of time we forget to give the same attention to the mind, to the subconscious mind, you know, that, that we programming. I'm a very big fan of affirmations because there's some stuff in there that deep rooted that's directing our path that shouldn't be right. Can, what can you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. I've been reading a bunch of Louis Hay, so huge on affirmations actually. So I, I totally relate to that. And yeah, it's amazing how often we will want to go in a certain direction and suddenly we find mm -hmm. we are rearranging our sock drawer or playing video games or, you know, just everything else suddenly becomes far more important. Yeah. And I've had through meditation, I've been able to kind of observe my own behaviors and say, mm -hmm. why am I going this way when I wanted to go this way? Right. And we do. We absolutely have these subconscious. Uh, Peter Sage put it really well. He said, you may be an ant marching northward every single day. But if you're on the back of an elephant marching south, you're not doing yourself much good. So there's mm -hmm. this huge part of ourselves that we are not aware of, our subconscious, that we need to train and get moving in the same direction that we want to. And I, yeah. I totally agree. Affirmations are a fantastic way to make that happen. Let's and make gratitude. sure we're, we're Yeah, and gratitude. Thank you. And gratitude. Yes, mm -hmm. I had a gratitude practice where uh, every morning I get up and I'll spend a couple of minutes being thankful. I try to throw in something new every morning mm -hmm. that I'm thankful for. And it's amazing that from that practice, I noticed that I will be grateful for things that show up in the day I probably otherwise would have missed. Mm -hmm. But because I'm attuned to it, now I'm I'm more grateful. And you know, there is no such thing as happiness without gratitude. Right. So if you want more happiness in your life, which I'm pretty sure we all do, starts with gratitude. Absolutely. Good it's point. that sense of awareness, like that being in the moment, be here now, being present, be here now. So I, I do want to get technical a little bit um, in terms of some advice you have, you know, giving that Executech is doing so well, but some tips on how individuals or entrepreneurs, you know, we have such, we can secure our, some of our documents, some of our workspace, like what are some tips you want to share that sure. we can do? Oh, I'd love to. That's what I love to do is help people stay more safe and secure. So, you know, I'm sure most people have heard of ransomware. It's some scary stuff out there right now, and it's very prevalent, and it does not take sides. Uh, they are going after everyone. I had the unpleasant job. This is quite a segue from what we were talking about before, but that's okay. I had the unpleasant job of looking through what we call the dark web. So these attackers out there, they will go and they will, you know, deploy ransomware at an establishment, an organization, and they will also exfiltrate data, we call it. They'll steal data as well. Uh, this happened at the University of Utah here, in fact, in Salt Lake City. And they got a inf ransomware infection, which, for those that don't know, it encrypts all your files. So all of your pictures, your QuickBooks, your Excel documents, everything you care about gets encrypted into this long stream of characters that then has to be decrypted before you can get the file back. So this thing runs in the background, it encrypts all your files, and when it's finally done, it pops up a warning and says, hey, if you want your files back, you got to pay, typically mm -hmm. in cryptocurrency of some kind. 
And it's, it's very destructive and it's very prevalent and it's happening a lot these days, unfortunately. We see way too often. And as I mentioned, it happened at the University of Utah here. They did everything right. They, they did it right by the playbook. Right. Everything was correct. But they ended up paying. And the reason they ended up paying is because the attackers proved that they were able to exfiltrate student data. And the university did not want that data being sh- sent out to the public. So they ended up paying the ransom so that information would be kept quiet. And we think, you know, big organizations are the targets. And sure, they're targets too. But I've seen how this works. It's kind of a spray tactic where they don't care. I mean, like I said, on this dark web scan I looked at, it was gas stations, it was hospitals, it was schools. No one is safe from this ransomware attack process. But please, 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 whether you're at home uh, or, or in your organization at work, have reliable, secure, offsite backups. You can recover from just about everything attack, fire, flood, theft, you know, whatever it may be, if you have some kind of offsite backups. And the, be aware, the attackers will try to delete your backups. They know we're backing stuff mm-hmm. up and they'll try to delete them first. So do your best. And then some good practical steps. Turn on what we call multi-factor authentication. Everyone's got login and passwords, but login mm-hmm. and passwords can be stolen. And maybe you're very good about it, but what about the site that you visited, right? It happens all the time where a site or an organization gets attacked and those logins and passwords are stolen and those attackers will try to use that against you. They'll go to other sites they know you visit and try to log in with that same login and password. Multi-factor authentication. So a text message or you know a, an authenticator app, there's one more layer that blocks them is a game changer. It's easy to do. It doesn't require much overhead. And it is an absolute change. I mean, I used to trade cryptocurrency. So I decided to want more sleep. So I stopped doing that. But for a while, <laughs> I was trading crypto. And I woke up one morning and there was this wall of messages on my phone that said, you know, you're, we see your login, click yes to accept it. Click, 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 click yes to accept. Just this wall of them. So someone had tried to log in using my login and password into my crypto account. And if it had not been for multi-factor authentication, all that money would have been gone. Wow. And who knows what else? So please, please, please turn on multi-factor authentication. Um, just real quick for email tips, be aware. These days, attackers know that we've got all these security measures in place in the organization. So they're going after the poor human being who's tired, who's reading their 300th email for the day, right? So we are the targets, unfortunately. So you must be you know, far more uh, aware than normal, which means... If your mother sent you an email at 2 a.m., it might not have been your mother. She might have been hacked. Probably no reason for her to send it at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always the obvious ones, look for misspellings and those kind of things. But I, in general, just don't trust links in email. If something mm-hmm. says your package is late, go to FedEx.com. Don't try to click on the link in the email. You know, If your plane is delayed, go to Delta.com. Don't click on the link in the email. Whenever possible, just don't trust email. It's too much of an attack vector these days, and it's way too easy to do. Yeah. Well, sound advice. I'm glad I, I asked. You mentioned the backup storage. How do you do that as an entrepreneur who's losing like Google Suite and you know doesn't have a whole infrastructure in place, um, just kind of working out of their laptop and the computer? How do we ensure we have that backup? Yeah, even for cloud-based products, you know, whether it's Microsoft or Google, we we trust that they're taking care of things and things will go well, and they're going to make sure everything's backup and triplicate. But it's been known to happen where someone jumped in, took over an account, and then deleted all their Google Drive stuff or all their Microsoft OneDrive stuff. So even when you're using cloud-based things, I recommend you have a backup on top of that. And there are plenty of products that will back up those particular suites that are out there. Backblaze. So just backing up your computer, it will suffice? Or how no, you, you need a tool that will actually back up the cloud-based product as well. Okay. You're, you're going to look for a tool that backs up off Google's um, G Suite or Microsoft 365. Uh, now, if you're syncing every file onto your com- local computer, then mm-hmm. yeah, that should work. 
But in most cases, we're not syncing everything. We're so not, in that case, yeah. I would, I'd recommend finding a tool that particularly backs up the suite of uh, products that you're using. Yeah. Well, but thank you for that. That was a fun, great tips to, to, to help um, get more secure. Now, James, tell us, where can we connect with you? How can we find Executech? Yeah, so I uh, we created a page for listeners who want to reach out, uh, executech.com forward slash cast, C-A-S-T. Uh, you can reach out to Executech there or to me specifically. I'm happy to, happy to answer any questions about leadership and cyber and personal development. I, this is what I love. So I love mm-hmm. your podcast and what you do is right up my alley. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, now we love quotes here at Best Morning Routine and leave us with one of your favorite. A quote? Favorite oh, quote. gosh. Favorite quote. Um, My favorite quote is Nelson Mandela. And the quote is, there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. Love that. Love that. Find your passion. Live it. Don't live small. I love that. James, thank you so much for sharing and coming on the show today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Vanille. Awesome. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.